Hello and welcome to the Green Pole Podcast. I am back again with another match review and another 2-1 defeat and another injury time goal conceded. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Kieran Thibault and Thomas Carter. Uh, Kieran, how are you doing tonight? Heartbroken, mate, but I'm, I'm doing all right. Good. Uh, Thomas, how are you doing? Yeah, you know, a bit gut-wrenching today. But positives to take from the game going forward. Yes, well, you've been away, Thomas, the last couple of pods, so it's good to have you back. Um, good to be and, back. Yeah, the listeners are going to be pleased to hear your voice again. Um, Absolutely. So I'm going to start off with two, well, a couple of stats, um, and then we can get into the the review properly. So Fulham have conceded six goals to opposition substitutes in a Premier League this season. No team has conceded more. Manchester United have scored four goals via substitutes in a Premier League this season. No team has netted more. Um, and also Fulham this season have lost games in the 89th minute against Arsenal, the 95th minute against Man City and 93rd minute against Man United. So Kieran, I'm going to start with you. When are we going to put a petition in to make sure the Matches only last 88 minutes from now on. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think the fact that we've, we lose in like, obviously those three games specifically against tough opposition where we've really held them for the majority of the game. So I think the fact we've held them for so for that amount of time shows really shows how far we've come. Um, I know I've said on plenty of podcasts that we really have grown as a team. Um, but I think it's just, it's just we're just cutting. We're, yeah, we're being cut short a little bit. Over, over these these sorts of games, like um, two two late heartbreaks in a row, it, it does need to a lot. The luck does need to swing up, swing our way at some point. Um, obviously, but yeah, it's it's, it's difficult to take. But um, I don't think I, I know, you never know. Um, I don't think the games should should or would be eighty eight minutes. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, wishful thinking. Um, <laughs> so Thomas, I'll start with you first. Sum up those 94, 95 minutes for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, the game started. It was a really frantic kind of end-to-end game uh, in the first half. And, uh, yeah, United got in front earlier on, which was a bit against the Royal play. I think we, we started really well on the front foot. Our pressing was really high and they couldn't get out of their half, really. Um yeah, when they scored, I was a bit, you know, shocked really because I didn't think that they offered much. After that, going forward, I think that they they looked a threat going forward. It was almost every time they went forward, they were they had players free in the box. I thought Rashford, although Bobby Reed isn't a right back, I thought Rashford was really good in the first half and he kept finding space behind Bobby Reed. Um, yeah, I, but the the second half, I think we we were the better team and. I think we deserved to come away with something, if not win the game. Um, Polinia was just immense all over the park. It was like he was, he knew Harrison Reed wasn't there and he was thinking, I've got to do the job of two people today. Um, and I thought Kearney had a really good game. I thought he did have a good game. I think, I think he made the mistake for the, for their goal, their first goal. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't think we can really blame him because I think he made up for it the way he played the rest of the game and then, you know, obviously putting the ball on the plate for, for Dan James to score. Who again, you know, he's, he's had a, a bit of stick since he's come in. 
And I think today he showed what he could offer the team. I think for the half hour or so that he played, he was really energetic, got in the box, created chances. I thought, yeah, I thought he he showed glimpses of what he's actually all about today. Um, but but you know, to to sum it up, I think there's definitely lots of positives to take. Once again, we went toe to toe with one of the better teams in the league and very nearly got something out of it. Um, and again, without key players, I mean, pe- people haven't really spoken about it, but we were missing Tete, Reed, and Mitrovic, which is three first team players today. Which, for a squad our size, you need those players against teams like Man United. Um, but yeah, I'm obviously really disappointed we didn't manage to hold on at the end. Just a, a little lapse in concentration at the end, I think. Um, tired minds, tired bodies. And yeah, you know, it's gut wrenching that it's happened two weeks in a row. But I think this week it's different because we, we did go toe to toe. We did create chances. We did score a good goal. We could have had more. Whereas last week, I think we were just holding on against probably the best team in the world. Um, but yeah, no, going into the break, I think that they can't dwell on it. They've just got to look at the positives from the game. Mm. I think I think you've summed that up quite well, to be honest. Um, Kearney was was Kearney, really. He was efficient. Yes, he um, was caught in possession by Casemiro, but that's um, that's nothing to sort of worry about if Casemiro is in the centre of the past. He's one, been one of the greatest midfielders in the world over the last sort of five, ten years. Um, but he did get the assist for the James goal. And I think we've mentioned it on the podcast a few times that Daniel James is probably suited best coming on and making an impact. Um, and I do agree. He's probably done that today to a to a good standard. He got his goal and hopefully there's more to come from him. But Kieran, try and summarise those 94, 95 minutes for us. Well, I think Thomas has already summarised it as perfectly, really. I mean, in terms of like our play we definitely it was much more of an end-to-end game today um we had much like compared to man city we had much more much more opportunities to go for going forward a lot more of the ball um and i think thomas summarized Pelinia's role perfectly as um taking the role of two players because he was immense we say it all the time he's he's the gem of this podcast now but um he was indeed all, all over it's like playing with an extra man I mean well the same man if you count Benitez as kind of being left out a little bit but um in terms of Vinicius as well it you can see how hard he's trying um it's a shame he hasn't scored yet because I think there were multiple occasions today that he could have got a goal or two should should the opportunity have um been slightly better but um it's a shame to not see him score yet um and you never know he could some things could change, but if the rumours of him wanting to, or going on loan in January, or obviously we need to improve with another forward in January, then I don't think he hasn't really produced what I I would have expect him to produce, um, which is a shame. But I'm sure we'll touch on that a bit later. But in terms of the game, end to end, Craven Cottage was bouncing for the majority of the game. I was listening on Radio Five Live um, and following along as best I could. Um, high intensity, um, of course, the the early goal for United may have knocked may have knocked the intensity a little bit um, going, going continuing in the second half. I know it's first half, but we picked ourselves up. Um, second half was amazing, got the goal. Um, and then 
just to top it all off, the heartbreaking moment, I think just as Thomas said, a lapse in concentration. And that's what happens when, when that happens against top top opposition. Um just a loss in a loss in um a loss in concentration leads to a goal. Um, and it's a shame it happened um, for the second week running. But we uh, again, we can we don't have to dwell on it. It's the World Cup now. We've got a few, quite a few weeks to kind of um, look forward to seeing international football. Um, I say looking forward to it because it's actually the first international break we can look forward to, um, and get get ready to go again on Boxing Day, um, where hopefully we can continue momentum and win with hopefully a lot more players back. <laughs> Hopefully. No, today's left a sour taste in my mouth. Um, we're recording a podcast a few hours after the final whistle. Um, and it's probably not the best thing to do, to be honest, especially after the result, the way it happened. Um, I think the first half, Man United just shaded it, um, especially with in terms of chances. But I think Willian and Robinson, they seem to have, you know, hit it off straight away. And there's numerous times today, especially in our first half, they combined really well to get down to the touchline. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, um, when balls went into the box, they just weren't finding Vinicius. Now, yes, he's not had huge amount of game time, but it may be a case that Vinicius is probably trying a little bit too hard. Um, the ball comes to him and nothing's sticking. Um, his commitment to the cause is there. Um, I don't think a player under Silva will be allowed to sort of sell through games. Um, but no, it's it was definitely a frustrating one. Um, especially to concede with the last kick of the game. Because um, the whole second half, we got it back and I thought, right, we're going to go on and win this now. And, you know, I think, uh, Thomas, you mentioned it, we're missing three key players. And you you just know that if Mitrovic was there today, there's, there's not a chance in hell we're losing that game. Um, and I don't actually think we're drawing it either. I think he would have been the difference of one point or even three, but... I, I do believe that if he was there today, he would have won. Um, but yeah, I think we should rename the podcast the Joao Palinia Appreciation Podcast because he's <laughs> just absolutely unreal. Um, we need to get him on this podcast at some point. We do. Um, <laughs> Make it happen, Dan Crawford. That's a cool to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan, if you're listening, we want to change the name of the podcast to the Joao Palinia <laughs> Appreciation Podcast. Um but we'll try and get him on one day. Uh, but we've been banging on about him for, for months, ever since he's joined. But now today, you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook or whatever social media platform you go on, people are starting to realise what we've realised for the last few months. Um, Thomas, this is a genuine question. By the time next season comes around, will he be in a Fulham shirt? <laughs> if Marco Silva's still there and we're still in the Premier League, yes. I 100% believe so. If he's not, what sort of transfer fee are you looking at? At this for, moment in time? For a good holding midfielder, uh, for his role, there's not many about, is there? I mean, you could probably ask whatever you wanted. You could, you could, you know, write a blank check and say, that's how much I want, you know. Give us 120 million. <laughs> yeah because he's on a six-year deal as well well you this is look it. at that it's you know he's, he's he's signed to a long-term deal so if he goes he he goes for stupid money but i don't think he'll go i don't think he'll go i think he loves fulham i think he loves living in london 
you can see that from his Instagram posts. He's just had a little little baby. You know, as long as we're still in the Premier League, Marco Silva's still in charge. I can't see him going anywhere. I hope you're right, Kieran. I'd agree with that, to be honest. Like, unless, I mean, I would, I would put a price tag of above 100 million on him. So, if he were to go, it'd be what Villa fans um, felt when when Jack Grealish left for City. And I can only see teams that are at the, at the level of City or Real Madrid um, actually actually posing a problem because I think any other club such as United, Arsenal, Chelsea that would want to probably try and sign him would would he would say no to plainly for the fact that we have a better chance of beating them with him in the team than he does getting game time even at those clubs. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with Thomas as long as um, we stay in the Premier League. Uh, and Marco Silva's um, the head coach um, I can't see him going anywhere for at least a few more years I hope you're right I, j- I just uh, have this fear of you know some someone's just going to come in with, with a silly bid um, and yes it's only been what 14-15 games but you could just tell he's just miles ahead of everyone else you could put him in any club any team in the Premier League and I don't think he'd look out of place Um just lucky, luckily well, one, for us, in the Fulham ship. Well, one thing you've got to think about is that we've had silly bids come in for Mitrovic before, and the Khans have stood firm on that. And he's not going anywhere because he means that much to Fulham as a team. And I believe that Palinia is in the same bracket. I think that if a massive bid came in for him, you've got to think the Khans are that they're they're ambitious. If we stay up this year, I can see us signing some big names in the summer. London, West London is a huge pool and depending on where we finish we could be pushing for Europe next year which again is another massive pool so I mean I, I can't see him going anywhere and I think if a big big dig come in I think the cards would turn it down to be honest I hope so and it's funny you mentioned that I was talking to my son earlier when we come out of the ground and um, I actually echoed that and said that if we stay up this year and um, you know we can finish Lower end mid table, you know, with us twelfth to fourteen, for example, we have a platform then, and we can build on that. And I do think that this time round it is different, and it wouldn't surprise me if the cons did turn around and go right. There's a hundred million if we can afford it. Just go and buy three really world class players, or really good players, which are going to improve the squad massively. And then slowly start to work away. A bit like Brighton have done. You know, yeah. they're the blueprint, I think. If you can follow them, because Brighton are going to be top eight this year. Um, I know they lost today, but you could tell there's something about the squad with the likes of Trossard and stuff like that. Um, but no, they're a squad which I think a lot of teams in the league are looking at and going, right, let's try and emulate them for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But one point in the game, um, I'll start with you here, Thomas. Should Tim Ream have scored his first Premier League goal today? <laughs> that yeah, he was. was about yeah, five it was, that, wouldn't it? It was. Uh, it was. Um, it was free, wasn't he? He got clear of his marker, and I mean, I think he put as much on it as he possibly could. The only question is, maybe could he have headed down towards the corner rather than? towards the top corner, but I mean, you can't take away from De Gea. It's a, it's a good instinctive save. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to see him score because, you know, he's just got his USA call up. He's having 
a great season. And uh, yeah, it would have been nice to see him score before he went off for the World Cup. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I was half expecting the, the net to just bulge. I'm slightly disappointed that he did actually miss it. Um, but look, he doesn't get many opportunities, so we can forgive him for that one. Uh, yeah. Kieran, again, this may be a little bit harsh. Uh, I think we touched on it when we did the Man City review. Regarding United's winner, should, mm-hmm. could could or should Leno do a little bit better with a shot? Oh, I mean, I think he sees it really, really late this time because of the amount of bodies that are there. Hence why when it goes past him, he dives quite late, meaning obviously he misses it. Um, so I think compared to City, when obviously it was from a set, it was from a set play, with um, obviously a penalty. Under the circumstances, were obviously a lot different. This one was from open play, so you kind of have to give him a bit of a bit of credit for trying. But at the same time, if obviously we don't know what his vision was like from down there, but from what it looks like, he um, he sees it quite late. Hence why um, I think he doesn't really have any other option apart from. Um, Apart from diving for height for for the sake of trying, really, so um, I think he couldn't have done much better. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm I don't really I, the perspective from down there probably could could argue with with that. Mm. I don't know. I just I think I've been slightly critical of him. Maybe um, I thought he yeah he had he had he made some world class saves throughout the throughout the game so I've got to credit him on that because he um he kept us in it for the majority um I think he did a double save uh, to deny Rashford and Martial at one point um and then on the on the other side as well De Gea I mean top class keeper and he really showed his quality today um I've got to give I've got to give credit to him um because if it wasn't for him I think United would have been sunk by quite a few goals um because. He has his off days and he has his on days, but I don't know why he hasn't been picked for the Spanish World, um, World Cup team um, because he's a world-class um, keeper. And I think when he, when he retires or when he leaves United, United will it'll be a big miss for United. So um, credit to him today as well. Um, to both keepers made some great saves despite the result. Yeah, Thomas, are you slightly annoyed that De Gea saved the overhead kick from Paulinho? I know yeah. I am. Oh, don't <laughs> even start. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Uh, to be honest, I was annoyed that the hair saved most of his shots that came out. <laughs> yeah, no, there were there were a few that I just thought, like, you know, why do we? Why have we come up against the hair in this form? Why can't we have the the hair that played a couple of weeks ago that let one under his body? You know, is but you know he is a world class keeper. His reflex, he's, he's one of the best reflex shot stoppers on the planet, and. Yeah, I mean, agree with Kieran. I think when he goes, Man United have struggled to replace him. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, sorry, I was saying I don't think Dean Henderson's of the same ability as De Gea. No, I don't think he'll go back to Man United either. To be honest, I think he's burnt no. a few bridges there, hasn't he? Very no. true, true. Yeah. Uh, but what is it with goalkeepers at the minute? We seem to be finding them when they're in top form. David Head today. <laughs> we had Jordan Pickford the other week. And you're just like, please give us a break. Or against Danny Ward soon, it should be okay. Yeah, but he's keeping clean sheets after clean yeah. sheets. I've, I've got him on the bench on my fantasy team, and I keep, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, right, Sanchez is going to do me a job today. He goes to concedes, and they, Ward saves penalties. He's, you know, having a season of his life. So, I've got Nick Pope, so I'll be, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, see, a few people have got Nick Pope, and, and, uh, 
I'm a bit reluctant to do that. I know as soon as I put him in, he's going to start con- conceding three or four again. Triple up on Newcastle. That's 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 the key here. Triple up on Newcastle. Yeah, at least one defender and two and two Newcastle attackers. Yes, yeah, I brought Almond in, and I brought Wilson oh, yeah. in. and Almond didn't do anything yesterday. So he yeah, got an friend. assist. Oh, did he, he got yes? Oh, he did, didn't he? He got an assist and then I think one bonus point as well. So I take that back. Well done, Almond. Keep <laughs> it up. <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah moving on to to Fulham related stuff look we are at the the World Cup break now so we don't play any more football until Boxing Day now I think we touched on this last week but we're going to touch on it again how pleasing for the both of you has it been seeing the start we've had considering we've competed in every game in my opinion bar one which is obviously the Newcastle one Thomas, if someone would have said to you at the beginning of the season, just before we kicked off against Liverpool, that we'd be sitting ninth, uh, I think it's two points behind Chelsea, um, having given the top the top teams in the league a good go, a good run for their money. What's what's been your take on it? Because you know, I think everyone is in agreement that it's been phenomenal, a phenomenal start from us. Yeah, it's, it's 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 been everything we could have asked for, really. I think the last two times, especially the Parker time, um, we were just drull and boring and trying to hold on to a point from well, minute ten. Um, but yeah, this this time round, we've just attacked it. We've we've strengthened in key areas that needed strengthening. Pereira, Polina, Leno, Diop. I mean, Diop again today. I thought had a really good game. Players that we thought weren't good enough for the Premier League. Cabano, Ream, Robinson, they seem to be proving us all wrong. Obviously, Mitrovic has continued his scoring form. Um, and yeah, we're going toe-to-toe with every every team in the league. We're winning games by, you know, 3-2, which, you know, shows that, yeah, we're going to concede goals, but we're not scared to attack. And I think after the last time in the Premier League, that's just a breath of fresh air, isn't it, really? You know, just seeing us go at teams, the high press, we're not afraid of you. We're going to give give you a good game. You know, if we're going to lose it, we're going to lose it by trying to win it. And I think we've seen it in every single game, obviously, barring the Newcastle game, which, you know, Chalabar got sent off after seven minutes. And the City game last week as well, maybe you could argue we didn't really see it in that either. But, you know, there's mitigating circumstances to to both games. You know, City are the best team in the world. Even with 10 men, they probably beat most teams in the league. And, you know, the, the Chalaba sending off in the Newcastle game, I think Mitrovic was injured in that game anyway. Mm. I think he started the game injured and obviously came off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you'd have offered me at, at the start of the season, you know, I'd have... I'd have bit your arm off, to be honest. I'd have loved it. <laughs> yeah. I'd, have, I'd have shipped you off to a wheelie bin somewhere. You know, a, white jacket. a white jacket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I'm just loving every moment and, you know, riding the wave. Like, you know, like I said to you boys a few weeks ago, I'm just riding the wave and enjoying it because it's so good to see Fulham back in the Premier League. It's so good to see mm-hmm. the cottage bouncing week in, week out. And it's so good to see great players playing for Fulham again, you know, and enjoying their football. Mm. Spot and on I- there. Yeah, and to be honest, I think the best way to sum it up from my point of view would be we're competitive. And I think that's all that's all we wanted from the start of the season was 
for us to be more competitive, to, to be more in games, to, you know, because a few years ago, we would have turned up today and got an absolute hiding. Last week, we would have turned up and got an absolute hiding. But that's the Fulham of old. The Fulham of new now is completely different. We are staying in games. We're causing teams problems. We're scoring goals. Yes, we're conceding, but that's part and parcel of the way we play. Um, Kieran, sum up the start of the season. I know well, you did it briefly I mean, last week, but yeah, I know. But I think I think the main thing going into this World Cup break this this week is we're on nineteen points. That's something to be really proud of. Um, yes, we we you could say we're halfway to the points total we need to be. Um, but obviously, I think it's going to be a lot more competitive this year. So I think we'll need at least at least like a few more than thirty eight points. Probably close to something like forty five because it's really really open. There's only about six points that separate us between the relegation zone. Um, which is a scary thought thinking that, but I think the only other, I think the other thing to be really proud of is the fact that we're above we're above Brentford, um, though we may be on the same points total as them. Um, the better side of London is still ahead of ahead of um, ahead of Brentford, um, so that's something to be proud of and basically brag about until Boxing Day. Um, and aside from that, obviously, yes, results. The last two results haven't been ideal. Um, and it's been quite gut wrenching, um, and many fans I've seen across Twitter base, across the um the fan base on Twitter, as they they've taken it in different ways. But I think the ultimate message really is, look where we are, look at the bigger picture. Yes, it's a, yes, it's one defeat, and yeah, I say I'm guilty of this as well. I've I've sometimes overreacted when when the results haven't gone our way. But if you look at the bigger picture. I think where we are right now is a great position to be in going going into the second half of the season, um, especially as we have the January transfer window opening almost almost immediately after the World Cup ends. So um, we can look to improve and expand our squad. Hopefully um, we'll have injuries back. Um, Mitrovic, Solomon, Tete, Reid will be back. Um, Cabano will be nearing, I mean, not nearing, but it will be um, hopefully on the road to recovery. Um, though he may miss the miss the rest of the season, um, and then boom, tra- January transfer window. But I think overall we've done so well. And as you said, if if you told me before the Liverpool game saying by the World Cup you'll be in ninth position or nineteenth points, I would have taken it every day of the week. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you both a couple of questions regarding our start. Um, and I don't have a particular opinion on this, which is why I'm asking you both. So we have conceded a lot of late goals in the, st- the start of this season. So today, for example, Man City, uh, Arsenal, West Ham, uh, Liverpool, you can throw in there. The fact we are conceding so many late goals, is that either a tactical issue or is that a fitness issue? Or, or is that just... It, has it gone past the point of it just being called unlucky now? Does it seem to be an issue we need to sort of look at and resolve? Uh, Thomas, I'll start with you. I mean, it's it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think there's a bit of being unlucky in there. I think there's a bit of Premier League knowledge to to be in there as well. Like by that, I mean like today, for instance, it just looked that ball through from Ericsson. That wouldn't happen in the Championship, and I just think occasionally we switch off a little bit towards the end of games. Like I said earlier as well, it's it's tired mind as well as tired body because from minute one, when you're pressing so high like that, 
And I think it comes down to maybe having a bit more squad depth. So the January window might help. But like today we brought on Onoma, who, you know, you know, Josh Onoma is a fine player, but he's not of the ability or the quality of Tom Kearney, who he replaced. And today we put Bobby Reed at right back when really we should have a decent enough backup right back. I think we do, but that's a different question. Um, in there and I think just things like that need to be addressed in January it might get us we might get make it through to the summer but I think there are little tweaks that need to be made slightly it's tactical slightly it's unlucky I think it's a bit of all three of what you mentioned there uh, personally and but you know you can't you can't take away from the boys like today I was I was gutted of course like everyone else and I watch, I've watched that goal back three or four times since. And, you know, it just looks like Bobby Reed didn't, couldn't turn. It looked like his legs gave out on him. He just didn't have the same speed to turn as Garnacho did. And that's the difference in the Premier League. That's, that's that fine, I don't want to say the word, but, you know, that's that little bit of quality that they can bring off a bench, another team can bring off a bench, and, and we didn't have it today. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's a bit of all three of what you mentioned. Hmm. Uh, Kieran, what's your thoughts on that? I don't really have anything else to add, really. I think Thomas has kind of summed it up perfectly there, really. Um, I think it's just, yeah, every, everything you said there pretty much just sums up what I probably would have said as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's just a bit of everything, really. Oh, fair enough. Nice and nice and uh, nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, nice and quick. Sorry, I don't have <laughs> on there, but <laughs> no. That's... That's perfectly fine. It's a good question. Um, Thanks. It is a very good question, yeah. Mm. Uh, another question is, so at halftime today, uh, I was in the concourse in Johnny Hainstand having a chat with a few of my mates. And we were all sort of in agreement that when Mitrovic isn't there, you know, Vinicius tries, he, he tries hard, but it just doesn't seem to be working. Now, to me, there's not a huge amount of difference, if any, between Vinicius and Madrid and Muniz, which makes it a bit more surprising why we let Muniz go out on loan and, and had Vinicius in when they both seem to be fairly similar in the way they play, the stature and everything else. Do you think it's time now for Silva to have a plan B in terms of when Mitro isn't in the squad? Do we need to find a different way of playing? Because it seems like we're expecting Vinicius to come in and do an identical job to what Mitro's doing. Um, Vinicius simply can't do that, mainly because, one, he's not as good as Mitrovic, but, two, he, he doesn't always get a game time, so he's not going to be able to hit the ground running from minute one. Um, Thomas, is that something we need to start looking at, playing football without Mitrovic, whether that's a suspension, an injury, or do you just think that you know, the way we play is the way we play and, you know, whoever comes in has to do a similar role to what Mitrovic does. Um, I've always been one that would really like us to have a, a pacey striker who can change the game up a bit to the way that we, we play. But I think the way we, we play is so, you know, so much geared towards Mitrovic. It's, he's the key in, it, in the way we play. But when we don't, have him in the squad, in the team, 
Vinicius just has to come in and fill a, fill a, fill a void. I agree with you that the Muniz is, is a similar type player. The only thing I can think maybe is that Vinicius has played in the Premier League before, and maybe that's the reason why they they, they got him in and let Muniz go. Um, but I, I I've always wanted us to sign a pacey striker who can stretch games. Um, but I think, like I said, it's just the way we play is so geared to Mitrovic on the training pitch. What we do, everything revolves around him. So I think if you took him out and started changing things like that, I think we could come unstuck quite quickly, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, Kieran, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, in terms of Vinicius and Muniz being similar, I think I agree there because obviously they're both coming. They're both in. They know Mitrovic is the main the main striker. They'll obviously be a reserve and have to come on in the last few minutes and um, make make up what they can really. Um, in terms of them being, a, I think I think the choice of letting Muniz go on loan um, and. Vinicius coming, I think that is, as Thomas said, down to the more the experience Vinicius has had in the Premier League previously with Spurs, um, though it may not have been as successful as he would have wanted it to be. Um, it's still more experience than Muniz would have had, which is ultimately what we need. But I think if we were to improve, I think I think we need another. Obviously, as you said, our team is very shaped towards Mitrovic. Um, obviously, he's the main man. Everyone, we all rely on him. When it matters most, and I think having another, having getting a second striker with the same sort of aerial threat as him, um, may not. It, it may it may work because obviously um, getting crosses in and stuff is what we aim to do with Mitrovic. But I think it could also benefit us in terms of having like a second first team um, quality striker um, to rely on because it's all well having second like reservists um, coming on for the thing, but if you have two two strikers who he would almost guarantee to start then um it's it's like West Ham for example they have Scamacca and Antonio both proven to start any sort of game and produce well and I think if we had two sort of strikers like that Mitrovic and someone else I think we could we could be onto a winner there because the Mitrovic would go off in the last few minutes or if he's injured I would have a, a a person to step in into that role with the same sort of aerial aerial threat and doing the same sort of stuff on the pitch, really. Um, but of course, it's difficult to say because it all comes down to game time. Um, everyone wants game time, but and everyone wants um, everyone wants to be involved. But I think Mitch, Mitrovic is is very like he does influence our team a lot. And I think as as you said, if 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 we do if we were to change things with the different dynamic, it would it may shift or alter um, how fluid we are in attack um, and defence as well. So, um, yeah, that's my thoughts on it, really. Yeah, see, I, I'm sort of under the impression that it would be nice to have a, a different type of striker that could come on, you know. So under Hodgson, we had Johnson and Zamora, two totally different strikers, but they both knew how to score. Um, I think... When Mitrovic is out of the squad and you've got Vinicius coming in last season, it was Muniz. You know, you're trying to ask someone with less ability to do the same job. Now, personally, I think that's a bit tough on the individual coming in to replace Mitrovic. So 
personally, I'd like to see someone a bit different, maybe some with a bit more pace that could get in behind defenders. And when Mitrovic isn't in the squad, the team know there's an understanding there that the build-up play is going to be slightly different. You know, there's not going to be as much hold-up play. There's going to be a lot more balls being sprayed out to the wings. I, I don't think it would take too much sort of preparation to change if if people know Mitrovic about the squad. But it's just like today, for example, you could tell, especially in that first half, when William was getting crossed into the box, Robinson was there, and you just think, if Mitrovic is there, he's going to score at least one of them. Um, but Vinicius was running to the near post, the ball was going to the back post. Vinicius then decided to run to the back post, the ball was going short. And you just go, well, you know, there is that lack of understanding um, there. But that could just be lack of game time, or it could just be that Vinicius's knowledge of the game just isn't as great as Mitrovic. Um, mm. But just moving on to England, um, we will touch on this briefly before we wrap up. Um, first of all, I just want to congratulate the England cricket team on winning the T20 World Cup over in Melbourne this morning. Um, I saw that. Yes, very good. Beating Pakistan. At least something's come home this year. Well, this is it. Um, ben, <laughs> ben Stokes doing what Ben Stokes does, really. Um, just a phenomenal sportsman. Um, and honestly, I just think he's, he's probably the greatest English sports person on the planet. He can do everything. Um, but football terms... I'm going to ask you both this question regarding England in the Qatar World Cup, which actually starts one week today. Mm. There's two parts to it. <laughs> um, I'll start with you, Thomas. Uh, great. <laughs> this is pressure now, pressure. Um, will England win the World Cup? And if mm. the answer is no, when would they get knocked out? No, no. pressure, Thomas. We're not going to win the World no, Cup. They won't. No, I don't think they're going to win the World Cup. No. Um, and I think quarterfinal. Against France, I think there's a chance. Yeah, I, th- I, th- yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, think I, I did a, a similar simulation and found that France would be the quarterfinal opponents. The only, so I think the only other option we got for that is if we do win the group, we'd need France to then finish second behind perhaps Denmark. Or someone like that. Um, yeah. Kieran, are England winning the World Cup? Give us some positivity. Ooh, I'm very much looking forward to the podcast we're going to be doing on the World Cup because I have so much to say. Um, but in in simple terms, no, England are not going to win the World Cup as much as I would absolutely adore them to. And if they do exceed expectations, and I really am proud to be British, no English. Um, but... Yeah, I think we'll get knocked out in um, either the round of 16 or the quarterfinals. Um, and I can see someone like Brazil or Argentina winning the tournament. Um, yeah, and I have reasons for that, but I think we'll save that for a, another did, podcast. Did, is my microphone playing up? Well, my headset playing up. Or did you actually just say the round of 16? <laughs> it depends on who we're drawn to, but... Um, uh, if it's not the round of 16, I could see it being the quarterfinals or semifinals, um, something along the lines. But I wouldn't see, I don't see us getting to the final. And if we do, fair play. So um, you, you've gone for the two South American giants. Um, yeah, I mean, either that, one. I want to see a Messi versus Ronaldo final because that would be the the ending of such a big era. And they'd have to both retire then, wouldn't they? They'd have it would to. be it would be written in the stars, really. Um, um, I've seen it all over the all over places, but. Yeah, um, 
also a good moment to advertise that the next couple of podcasts will be about the World Cup. So basically, continue tuning in. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, Thomas, I, I'm sorry, I didn't ask you. Um, who is going to win the World Cup if it, um, as it's not going to be England, in your opinion? Um, yeah, there's there's a few teams that have got some really good you know, strikers. But I mean, I don't think Brazil will. I don't think they're strong enough in the middle of the park. Argentina are a good shout. You know, they've got some really good players now. Um, I, I, I don't know. France, again, I, I, I don't think they'll win it. Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I keep forgetting that there's even a World Cup because it's the middle of bloody November. Um, Germany, Germany, a good side. I, yeah, I, I think I'd, I would go, because of the weather as well, I think I'd probably go for South American. I'm going to go Argentina. Oh, Good choice. Okay. That's my sweepstake. Well, I'm just going to let you know you're both wrong. England are winning the World <laughs> Cup and football's coming home. Um... Oh, <laughs> love that. That's the mindset to have. What it is, isn't it? Like, there's a, obviously, there's a, there's a very good chance that we're probably going to... We probably won't even make it out of the group. <laughs> you know, probably Ooh. finish third behind Wales in the US. Um, I will be livid if that happens because I've been preaching Southgate out for about two years now. So I'll just prove everyone right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I think everyone knows that Southgate, well, I say everyone, that's been slightly broad. I think the majority mm. of England fans, they know that Southgate probably is coming to the end of his tenure. Uh, I think he is a bit too negative, but I think that's, that's the English mentality. I think we're set up not to get beat and then focus. Like, if we go and play Iran first game with 3-5-2 or whatever you, you want to call it, with five, three or five at the back, I'm not going to be happy. You just, you, you, you can't do that. You can't play you with two holding the field. now, though, don't you? Yeah, you definitely. Do. He won't treat us to a back four, so we just have to live with a back five and just scream at the TV. Yeah, see, I think... I don't want to get in too much about this because I think, Kieran, you've come up with the idea of doing a World Cup podcast and I look forward to doing that. So that will be coming at the end of this week, um, I imagine. But mm-hmm. look, just to give you all a, a heads up, uh, there is a, an inter- a special interview coming out this week um, between myself, Paul Pesquisolido and Neil Smith. That is a podcast which I would advise you to tune into. Uh, there's some fantastic stories in there. Um, a particular one about Michael Jackson um, when he went uh, to visit the Craven Cottage. I think it was the Wigan game when we won 2-0. Um, but those two were fantastic together. Two Fulham cult heroes um, and were an influential part in Kevin Keegan's success. But that's definitely tuning into that. Uh, I know Dan Crawford's got the start of the, the Fulham women's team month coming up. So there's a lot of Fulham women stuff being brought out, which I would advise tuning into. Dan's got some fantastic guests on, Mary Southgate, there's a few others. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. Um, but look, it is the World Cup, so there's not going to be any club football now until Boxing Day. So if there's any podcasts you want us to do, any questions you want us to ask, please do get in touch um, with us, myself, Kieran, Thomas, Frankie, Lydia, Dan Crawford. There's loads of us here. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but look, absolutely. gentlemen, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, the next time we talk Fulham, really, will be probably around Christmas time. So 
I wish you all a fantastic week. And yourself. Hope hopefully recover from the heartbreak today. Yeah, I'm just gonna go and cry and cry into my pillow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh bless you. I, I've been doing it for weeks now. You know, Man City oh. last week, now today. I'm starting to go off Manchester, I'm gonna be honest. Um if I have any Manchester <laughs> listeners, I, you know, I apologize, but Manchester's not really a nice place at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, thank you both again um, for coming on. Is there anything you both want to say before we end the podcast? Um, the floor is now yours. Uh, just remember that um, you didn't choose the Fulhamish life. The Fulhamish life chose you. Sorry, inspiration, inspirational words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's fine. Yes, that you didn't choose the Fulhamish life. The Fulhamish I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that because some people did actually choose to support Fulham, which I oh, find yeah, true, bizarre. True. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, Thomas. Yeah, Thomas, come on. Give us your, your last thoughts. Um, My last thoughts are I'm looking forward to the World Cup podcast because I can't wait to talk about how Calvin Phillips got in and not Harrison Reed. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, I'm still in shock. 56 <laughs> minutes of football. <laughs> But look, we're, we're waffling on again now. About, but, but, uh, about... but they're, all, they're picked on form, though, don't forget. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> How does Mason Mount still get in that England squad? Right. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> thank you all for listening and um, have a fantastic week. <laughs>